Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Let's get started. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Not a whole lot going on in the news today because the media somehow has forgotten about all those things they thought were so very important just a few weeks ago. Sure, they're talking about the Omicron virus variant, yawn, but it's not nearly as deadly as the original coronavirus. And according to some top scientists, the Omicron variant will likely wipe out the original COVID virus, and everybody that gets it will likely have nothing more than a head cold. The Omicron variant doesn't even have the loss of the senses of taste and smell as its older, weaker, now going away original COVID-19 virus supposedly gave to people. Now they're still begging you to take a shot, even though they had no choice but to admit that the numbers of people who have died of COVID, any of its variants, is three times higher under gropey Joe Biden's administration's first year in office than they were under Donald Trump's final year in office. Despite what Joe Biden said, we're going to shut down this virus. He and the Democrats did manage to shut down the economy for quite some time. Shut your kids out of schools, shut you out of churches and weddings and funerals and visits to the nursing homes to see grandma and grandpa. Yes, the Biden administration and the Democrats did more to harm this nation than anyone could possibly imagine. But I'm not here to talk about COVID, not necessarily. I'm actually here to chuckle. Recall two days ago, Joe Biden was snowed into Air Force One as they landed in D.C. when the massive snowstorm sent the U.S. Capitol to a grinding halt. Now he knows what it's like to be stranded. The difference was he wasn't in a 1995 Prius with barely any heat and low battery. He was on the very well-stocked, well-heated luxury jet known as Air Force One. He was finally able to leave the plane after airport staff worked in the heavy snow to bring the stair lift over to the door of the aircraft. Oh well, 79-year-old Biden had to cover his face against the snow because he doesn't like getting slapped by snowflakes at all. Oh, the widow snowflakes got to him. Then he had to drive from Joint Base Andrews in Maryland over to the White House, which usually takes about 30 minutes when the streets are shut down for the commander-in-cheat, but it took more than an hour in the snowstorm. Usually, his motorcade speeds by D.C. residents at 60 miles an hour. On Monday, it slowed to 20 miles an hour, which worried some of the Secret Service people that the added time on the streets might expose the commander-in-cheat to potential attack. <laughs> One could only hope. The White House, meanwhile, has announced a $1 billion plan to address increases in meat prices. Your steaks, your pork chops, your ground beef, all of those meat items that you know and love so much. Joe Biden is blaming those meat packing companies for inflation. Hey, Gropy Joe, Meat prices have nothing to do with your rising fuel prices, furniture prices, housing prices, video game prices, toy prices, vegetable prices, and everything else you and your mishandling of the economy have wrought to the American people. 
The White House Monday announced plans aimed at addressing rising prices for meat and poultry, setting aside $1 billion for smaller producers. Sounds like a little unfair competition to me. Gropey Joe unveiled his plan to diversify and strengthen the meat-producing supply chain. This angered, of course, the vegans, the vegetarians, and PETA, the people for eating of tasty animals. The White House previously pointed to a small number of conglomerates, blaming them for driving up meat and poultry prices, which he claims is a major contributor to the massive, broader inflation that his administration has brought forth. This is what the White House said in a fact sheet. When dominant middlemen control so much of the supply chain, they can increase their own profits at the expense of both farmers who make less and consumers who pay more. Most farmers now have little or no choice of buyer for their product and little leverage to negotiate, causing their share of every dollar spent on food to decline. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to bail out some farmers because Biden has no legitimate answer for inflation. He just likes blaming others for his own mishandling of the economy. But not all of the news is bad, my friends. There is actually some good news. According to Morgan Phillips, the politics reporter for the Daily Mail, House Speaker naughty, nasty, Nazi Nancy Pelosi is expected to step down at the end of this Congress after nearly two decades in Democratic leadership. The bad news is, Representative Hakeem Jeffries is expected to be the new favorite to lead the party. Jeffries is from New York, and he is the chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, and he is the favorite. The article continues, The debate over who will succeed Pelosi of California could lay bare the deep divide between moderates and progressives within the Democrat Party. Future leaders of the party could differ in their ideas of how to fight the GOP as they brace for the most likely scenario, severe losses in the upcoming midterm elections. While interviews with more than two dozen Democrats made clear that Pelosi maintains the respect of those she leads, many members expressed a desire to move beyond the 80-something-year-old. I mean, the octogenarian leadership of the Democrat Party, in other words, old people, is comprised of Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and Jim Clyburn, all in their 80s. Progressive Chairwoman Representative Pramila Jayapal says she wants more decentralized leadership. She said, I think there was a holding of power model that worked very well for a long time, but I now think it is more about a recognition of the different centers of focus within the Democratic Caucus that have been brought to and brought together. It takes some acceptance of more decentralized leadership. Of course, she really doesn't talk that way. I have to use some voice to imitate her. Works for me. Brad Schneider is a moderate out of Illinois, and he wants to see a leader who can pull the party together, he says, like Pelosi. <laughs> he says, I want to make sure that it's someone that can pull the party together. As Pelosi always says, our diversity is our strength and our unity is our power, and I want to make sure it's someone who can hold that unity. What glass is he drinking from? Unity? Pelosi? Cut me some slack. Pelosi was first elected speaker in 2007. 2007 is when my oldest son, my late son, graduated from high school. He would have been 32 this year. Think about that. That's a long time to be running the Democrat Party and destroying our country. 
Back to Hakeem Jeffries. He be a member of the Progressive Caucus, but he's friendly to business community and pro protective of moderates in swing districts, according to the Post. Back in 2018, Pelosi made a promise to serve only four more years in power. After months of dodging reporters' questions on whether or not she would stand by her promise, in November of 2020, she said when that conversation took place, there was a move to put limits on leadership and chairs of committees. What I said then is whether it passes or not, I will abide by those limits that are there. But the backpedal much? She says, I don't want to undermine any leverage I may have, but I did make that statement. Well, my friends, we could hope to not see naughty, nasty, Nazi Nancy Pelosi in power much longer. Remember a few minutes ago, I was speaking about gropey Joe Biden trying to do something for the meat industry. The Daily Mail reports Biden launches a crackdown on the meat industry to try and combat inflation. Biden is launching yet another crackdown on the meat processing industry, citing monopoly in the meat processing market. They announced they will spend a billion of your dollars to give to small farmers. The White House said that in a release that four large companies control 85% of the beef market, four firms control 54% of the poultry market, and four firms control 70% of the pork market. That's right. When you own a business and you decide you want to buy someone else out, that's called capitalism. That's how it works in the world. You cannot blame your economic woes and economic bad policymaking decisions on these businesses who provide the meat that we eat, Mr. Biden. You're a clown. Just from November of 2020, while Donald Trump was president through November of 2021, one year of gropey Joe Biden's presidency, bacon is up 21%, steak is up 25%, but that's not all. Gasoline is up over 60%, Mr. President. Laundry equipment, almost 10, furniture, 12, Eggs, 8% increase. Breakfast cereals, 4.6. Sporting goods, 8.4%. That ain't got a damn thing to do with ground hamburger or pork chops, buddy. They call it corporate greed. You can call it that. And you just gotta really feel bad for little red circle back girl Jen Pisaki. She has to continue to make up excuses over and over and over again to try and bail out the poor decisions of gropey Joe Biden and the Democrats. She said, so far, for example, the president and the secretary of agriculture have both spoken about what we've seen as the greed of meat conglomerates, corporate greed, jacking up prices during a pandemic. And she says, there are other areas where we've seen increases because of supply chain issues that gropey Joe Biden's administration created and perpetuated. I could go on and on about this story, but it's really just they're making excuses making excuses for the failures of Joe Biden. More good news. Ted Cruz says the Republicans, if they win the House majority, will likely impeach gropey Joe Biden over his poor handling of the border crisis. He is forecasting a Republican House takeover and a Joe Biden impeachment in 2023. Ted Cruz said... I'm very optimistic about 2022 on his podcast. He says, I put the odds of Republican winning at 90%, and it might even be higher than that. Cruz was not as optimistic about Republicans taking the Senate. He said, probably 50-50. He thinks it's going to be a good year, but it's a bad map. He believes that the GOP does gain the majority in the House. Impeachment would be on the table soon. 
He said, quote, if we take the House, which I said is overwhelmingly likely, then I think we will see serious investigations of the Biden administration. Thank God. I do think there's a chance of that, he said. Whether it's justified or not, the Democrats weaponized impeachment. They used it for partisan purposes to go after Donald Trump just because they disagreed with him. One of the real disadvantages of doing that is the more you weaponize it and turn it into a partisan coddle, the more you know what's good for the goose will be good for the gander. He says, I think there will be enormous pressure on a Republican House to begin impeachment proceedings. There are potentially multiple grounds to consider for impeachment of Biden. The most compelling is the utter lawlessness that Biden has using to enforce the border or not enforce the border. His decisions defy immigration law. That's the strongest grounds they have for impeachment. But he's keeping his cards close to his vest because he does believe there are other opportunities for impeachment of the senile commander in cheat. Gropey Joe Biden's approval number is continuing to plummet. Top two things to know for the 2022 midterms both involve Gropey Joe Biden. I want you to think about this. There are only 309 days from the 2022 midterms, and that is really weighing heavily on the Democrats' minds. U.S. COVID cases continue to skyrocket, even though Gropey Joe Biden says he was going to shut down the pandemic. Liar. Gropey Joe Biden will be speaking today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time about ways to lower meat prices. Oh, that's real important to stopping COVID, Mr. President. Donald Trump has endorsed more GOP candidates. And the body of dingy Harry, Harry Reid, will lie in state at the Capitol beginning January 12th. They must have really pumped him full of formaldehyde if they think he's not going to turn, as some of my black and brown friends say. White people turn. What they mean is they turn green, blue, and other nasty colors because of the lack of melanin in their skin. Here are two of the most important things you need to know about the upcoming midterm elections, 309 days away. The sitting president's party almost always loses seats in the House of Representatives in the midterm elections. Historically, it could be a major loss of as many as 70 to 75 members of the House de being defeated in the Democrat side and replaced by Republicans. Number two, the midterms are always a referendum on the president. On average, since Harry Truman was the president, the president's party loses more than 30 House seats in the first midterm election of a president's term. Remember, Republicans only need to pick up five seats to win back the House of Representatives. Let me go back a ways here. On average, again, they lose about 30 seats in the midterms. Trump lost 40 his first time around for a midterm election. Obama lost 63. Bush gained 8. Clinton lost 54. Papa Bush lost only 8 seats. Ronald Reagan lost 26. Jimmy Carter lost 15. Gerald Ford lost 48. Nixon lost 12. Johnson lost 48. Kennedy lost only 4. Eisenhower lost 18. And Harry Truman lost 55. Wow. Let's look at the presidential approval ratings for those same presidents. At the time of the midterm elections of these individual presidents' first terms in office, Donald Trump sat at 42% approval. Barack Hussein Obama, 46. George W. Bush, 66. Bill Clinton, 39. George Papa Bush, 76. Reagan, 42. Carter, 42. Ford, 50. Nixon, 57. Johnson, 46. Kennedy, 63. Eisenhower, 66. 
and Harry Truman at 32, the lowest approval rating during that midterm election of his first term. So between now and November, be sure to keep a good sharp eye on gropey Joe Biden's approval rating, which is currently below 40. The one time a president gained seats during his first midterm was George W. Bush, the junior Bush, whose points again went up eight percentage points in approval rating during the midterms. And they say that is only because we were kicking ass in the Gulf War. I agree. The 2022 election wild cards will go beyond Joe Biden's job rating. Donald Trump, the number one wild card, and how his endorsed candidates will fare in the midterms, how people will perceive them as being approved by Trump. Of course, that can be very adversely affected by the highly negative campaign tactics of Democrats who seek to weaponize Trump as a bad thing. Number two is a big event beyond what's already baked into the current political environment. Something like Russia invading the Ukraine and giving gropey Joe Biden some cause to go over there and do something stupid. Donald Trump managed four full years in office without an armed conflict being started by his administration. The polarization of America along party lines is getting worse, dividing us further. Instead of being the United States of America, we're becoming the divided parties of America. 52% of Republican respondents in a new ABC News Ipsos poll say that the people involved in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol were there to protect democracy versus 45% who say it was a threat to democracy. On the other side of the coin, 96% of brainwashed Democrats say the attack was mostly threatening to our democracy. That's the dominant public view according to this poll, saying that 72% of American adults thought that that little skirmish at the Capitol on January 6th was threatening our democracy. Now let me say something for a minute. We are a nation of laws and some people broke those laws. But there were no weapons. There was only one death on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, and that's when a cowardly black Capitol Police officer shot in cold blood an unarmed white female. Unarmed. I don't even think she was holding her cell phone. He just shot her in cold blood, and to this day has never been brought to justice. They act like January 6th was an, was an armed incursion an armed attack like you see in the movie White House Down or Olympus Has Fallen. It was a few people that got a little rowdy and broke a couple of windows, knocked over a couple of two-drawer file cabinets. Some guy sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair and hopefully didn't catch some nasty disease and put his feet up on her desk. If these idiots on the left truly believe that our democracy could fall by having a hundred people unarmed march into the capital unarmed being the key word no weapons whatsoever and make our democracy fall those people are indeed the meltiest snowflakes i've ever seen or heard do you honestly think a hundred two hundred even five hundred unarmed people could break down our entire democracy are we that weak of a nation do these morons on the left not see that people like Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un, and other world leaders who are our adversaries 
are looking at this and scratching their head and saying, hey, we could easily go in and tear this country apart with one hand grenade because they're afraid of a hundred people knocking over a file cabinet, tipping over a lamp, putting their feet on someone's desk. <laughs> Our nation is much, much stronger than that, Democrats. Our nation is much, much more prepared than you could possibly imagine. Only one death occurred on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. As I said, Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran who served her country with distinction and honor, was unarmed as she walked through the open doors of the Capitol building. Many reports still show Capitol Police officers ushering people inside. But they want to make this all about making damn sure Donald Trump looks bad at re-election time. We are a full year from the final day of the Donald Trump presidency, actually just a couple of weeks shy of the one-year mark, and yet the media still has this sick fixation on trying to vilify the former president because they know he is a threat. What he stands for is a threat to Joe Biden, to Kamel Toe Harris, to Chuckle Schumer, to Nancy Pelosi. And when we get a Republican Congress and a return of a Republican president, the Democrats' heads are going to explode. This is the Truth Hurts program. The number of deaths in the United States from COVID, according to the most recent data from NBC News, between December 17th and today is 22,737. The total number of deaths from COVID in the U.S. since the beginning of the pandemic, according to these figures, 829,217. Let's do some simple math, shall we? Because I want to be accurate, 829,217 total COVID deaths minus the 220,000 COVID deaths blamed on the evil murderer Donald John Trump leaves 609,217 deaths under gropey Joe Biden's watch. Under gropey Joe, the man who said he was going to shut down the Wuhan China novel coronavirus and all its evil variants, he has presided, that means has been president, over three times the number of deaths, just about, from Donald Trump. The total number of confirmed cases of COVID, according to the latest information from NBC News, 4 million 716,452. Right now, that's how many people are sick. 4.7 million are supposedly sick with COVID right now, today. According to the CDC and NBC News, the total number of COVID cases since the beginning of the pandemic, 55,264,743 or about 17% of the entire population of the United States. Asterisk. That's the legal reported population, not including all of the illegal, invading, trespassing, criminal aliens. 37% increase noted in daily COVID hospitalizations, according to NBC News, rose from 68,000 to 93,000 since December 17th. But Joe Biden was going to shut down the pandemic. 
Thought he and Dr. Fufufucci had all the answers. The racially biased, mainstream leftist, progressive, liberal, woke media has performed another act of double standard racism. There is a video of an arrest of a woman charged in the murder of an off-duty police officer, according to NBC. That's how they wrote it. 18-year-old woman admits to killing off-duty Cleveland cop during a carjacking. Of course, the title of the article was completely off the mark. It should have said, 18-year-old black woman admits to killing off-duty white Cleveland police officer during a criminal carjacking event. You notice something that was missing? When a black suspect or a black criminal commits a crime, the news media makes a concerted effort. They all get together and say, geez, we can't say another black person has committed another crime. We'll be called out as racist for telling the truth. So they omit the race of the individual who committed the crime. Had this been a white person killing a black police officer, oh my God, the news media would be going nuts. They would have already investigated the white assailant, found out if he had any ties to number one, Donald Trump, number two, the Confederacy, number three, the Klan. They would have gone all the way back to his high school by now and interviewed teachers and classmates and neighbors and said, what kind of individual white person would dare kill a black police officer who was just trying to do his job and then go back home to his babies? But instead, Tamara McLeod, a very dark-skinned, dreadlock-braided-haired African-American female, murdered a white police officer in Cleveland, Ohio, and the media doesn't even have the balls to publish her race. This thug, criminal, carjacking animal was charged with aggravated murder in the officer's death after ambushing him in a parking lot in an apartment building early this morning, January 4th, 2022. Every one of these articles. A woman charged with murdering a Cleveland, Ohio police officer made her first court appearance. Her bond was set at $5 million. A Cleveland Municipal Court judge has set a $5 million bond for Tamara McCloyd, age 18, of Garfield Heights. She was told by the judge on Monday to get an attorney. Here's another one. Tamara McCloyd, charged in the fatal shooting of off-duty Cleveland police officer Shane Bartek, had been sentenced to five years of probation in an armed robbery. And now suddenly, while I'm trying to record this edition of the Truth Hurts program, the MSN online network is refusing to allow me to see articles which show her arrest record. Wow. Well, there is a way around media censorship. Sorry for the short break. The 18-year-old woman, Tamara McCloyd, an African-American female, admitted to fatally shooting an off-duty Cleveland police officer during a carjacking, and she was on probation for an armed robbery of a man she met through a dating site. She's charged with aggravated murder in the fatality of Shane Bartek, a recent addition to the Cleveland Police Department. She was sentenced in October to five years of probation for her role in a Lorraine County robbery that had occurred just a year before. Real model citizen there. 
According to one news article, her felony arraignment included an alleged history of criminal activity, including multiple aggravated robberies. And that was the decision behind the $5 million bail that has been set for her. According to news sources, this criminal thug animal, the black woman, McLeod, approached the white police officer Bartek in the parking lot of an apartment building with a gun around 6 p.m. on Friday. A struggle ensued and Bartek was shot twice by McLeod. She then took off in Bartek's vehicle. Thief. Bartek was taken to a nearby hospital by Cleveland EMS. He was pronounced dead at the scene, a two-year veteran of the police force. And I'm telling you, friends, these thug animal criminals, they'll probably find some kind of way to make her out to be some sort of victim. And it gets better. Following a multi-jurisdictional police pursuit, Bartek's vehicle was recovered and a man was taken into custody. The Fox 8i team out of Cleveland reported that McLeod gave Bartek's vehicle to Anthony Butler Jr., 28-year-old African-American. Wow, we just steal them and then take them on down and give them to our little friends. What a shame. You think there'll be a hate crime charge against her? Nah, that only happens in one direction. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Truth Hurts program for Tuesday morning, January 4th. My father's birthday would have been 96 this year. Happy birthday in heaven, Dad. Keep an eye on Jonathan up there. We'll see you on the next program. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are free speech protected under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics.